0: Some people in your life care about you enough to tell you the truth. It's actually pretty rare to find someone that is a truth teller but also just like cares about you. Some people only tell the truth but there's not a lot of love, you know, they shoot straight, they speak directly, but they might not be very caring. Others, you know, they have love without truth. These people, they think caring about you means not talking about the hard stuff. They think caring means sweeping things under the rug. But a good friend does both, right? They, they care about you enough to tell the truth and they do it with grace and care. They create some space for you, but they can also be unflinching. But it's from a place of love. Hey there, my name is Blaine Lay and you're listening to Vivid. It's a podcast brought to you by RCLI. And our goal here on the show is to help Christian leaders see clearly. One quick note on the RCLI front, we're having a virtual gala Wednesday, August 5th at 7 o'clock on Zoom. We're going to share what we've been up to, what the future holds for our organization, how you can get involved. Visit our website, rcliweb.org, and click Gala for details on that. But today on the show, we've got Lori Ruffin. Lori is is one of those caring truth-tellers. She's got a knack for leaning into conversations with grace and truth.
1: So much possibility opens up with curiosity and with gracious engagement in conversation.
0: Professionally, Lori's an operations strategist at the COO team where she helps organizations fulfill their purpose by making it real. And Lori's been a friend of mine for a while. We, we actually worked together a couple of jobs ago at a marketing firm here in Richmond called Coombeca. And as you may know, we're in the middle of a national conversation about race in America and in Richmond. And Lori's voice in this season as a Christian and as a person of color has been so helpful to me. She's actually been posting a lot on Facebook and it's just been really instructive as many of us work to navigate this time and to do that with wisdom. So I reached out to Lori to sit down for a conversation specifically about race and how we might think about that and approach it as Christians. We cover a lot of ground in this episode from how to balance truth telling and forgiveness to the pitfalls for Christians about making politics our primary lens for seeing reality. It's a really rich conversation, we cover a lot of ground, and Lori's just wise, and you know, I'm glad that you get to hear from her, uh, cause she's a good friend, she's got a lot to say. So let's jump in with my friend Lori Ruffin, I'm Blaine Lay, and you're listening to Vivid. Well Lori Ruffin, Hello. Hi. Welcome. How are you today? I'm
1: doing well, I'm doing well today. It's Good. been a full day. We are definitely in a global pandemic, so I'm still working from home with my coworkers, and that is my new normal for now.
0: And your coworkers are who?
1: My husband and our daughters. Uh, <laughs> one is four and the other is one.
0: Yeah, that's great. And just for those that don't know you, can you just Tell us briefly just about your story and kind of what you do in your in your nine to five today.
1: Sure. So I, you know, I am rich, a Richmonder, and I work with organizations, uh, specifically visionary leaders, helping them get the strategies and the systems that are needed to scale. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an affinity for smaller organizations. Um, coming from a corporate background and then working in the nonprofit space, I see an opportunity to provide best practices that are more common, maybe in larger organizations, and uh, apply those in smaller organizations so they get the benefit of expertise, but right-sized without the overhead of a full-time position.
0: Yeah, great. Um, Well, thank you for joining us. I mean, we've been friends for a while. We've ridden around in rental cars together and we used to work together, Um, so it's great to reconnect. I wanna introduce the concept of the Mercy Umbrella. I don't know if you you probably taught it to me, but can you explain the mercy umbrella before we jump into the deep end?
1: Definitely. So the idea of the mercy umbrella, it's a concept that uh, you have an umbrella. Everybody has an umbrella. And you can extend it to the person that you're talking with. And it's almost like an invitation for someone to be honest and transparent so that it creates like a, a teeny safe space for people to explore, be awkward together without fear of the hammer coming down and, mm-hmm. you know, judgments being um, made too quickly or permanently. Yeah.
0: Can I can I extend a mercy umbrella to you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, I, and I extend to you. Yes.
0: Great. Um, so, yeah, thank you again for just sitting down for a conversation. Um, your voice, I think particularly on social media, has just been really helpful and, like, instructive for me. And so I wanted to, to like, kind of dive into the deep end on a couple of those things. Sure. Um, And the first thing that I wanted to ask you was about Sort of the the interplay of I'll call it truth And forgiveness Um, And I think particularly of people For people of faith That if we're able to see truth Then we can see reality Right? As Christians when we look at truth um, If if you do so With um, the Lord at the center That you'll probably see reality for what it is And be like oh man I actually don't fall short I actually fall short Mm. Um I think that can be true for me individually, that can be true for us as a group, um, that that can and should lead to confession. But then on the other side of that is this idea of forgiveness, where because of the goodness of God, because Christ came to save us, that we're redeemed. And, mm-hmm. and you do such a beautiful job of, I think, do like speaking to both, where you're mm-hmm. kind of like, all right, I'm gonna give you a hard word right now, mm-hmm. but also... Um, No one's beyond forgiveness and you use these two you started these hashtags I think this is more than a hashtag but like hashtag there's room at the altar Mm -hmm. which I think speaks to like you need to see truth and like you need to repent but also Hashtag repentance is still available, which Mm. I think speaks to that forgiveness piece Mm. Um, So I wonder if you just talk a little bit about in this moment how you see Truth and forgiveness fitting together.
1: Yeah, absolutely so I think right now um, our recent uh, civil situation that we're in um, with uh, coming out of the most recent murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery, it has really surfaced a lot of underlying uh, racial tension um, and brought some things up to the forefront. I have been finding that some people who don't typically think about race or talk about race are now confronted with racial topics. Mm-hmm. And then people who live with a high awareness of their race, um, of their culture, um, are uh, many have been affected very deeply. So, when tensions are high, you know, a lot of conversations can happen, a lot of accusations can happen. and um, I think that for people who are coming from a place of unawareness to awareness, there can be feelings of guilt. And for those that have been kind of in the conversation, there can be feelings of anger, like, where have you been? This is not a new thing. Um, how How is this now important? Why are you paying attention now? And so um, I've just been realizing that while people are living Kind of in the same community, uh, people have been having different experiences. And so in order to close that gap, it requires truth mm-hmm. for uh, people to say, this is the truth of my experience. This is the truth of how I'm impacted by these things. Um, but then uh, when, when there's pain or, or hurt associated with that, um, as Christians, I believe that we are invited by God to Also, move in forgiveness. So it's speaking the truth and uh, receiving the truth and then uh, seeking forgiveness. Um, And so for those that, again, might be coming into awareness and um, thinking, oh, wow, I didn't know this was a thing, and then maybe even reflective, like, well, what do I do? Or do I participate in this? Or am I complicit? Um, I think part of dealing with that is beholding the truth, seeing where it finds us, and then seeking forgiveness. And the hashtag, there's room at the altar, is really rooted in the idea that we all need to go to the altar. Mm. We may be confessing different things. It could be that I'm confessing anger. Um, and it could be that somebody else is uh, confessing uh, cultural insensi- insensit- insensitivity or um, uh, some sort of blind spot that mm. um, has been actually harmful. Um, but at, at the end of the day, at the cross, we're able to seek forgiveness. Um, But then also, because we are recipients of forgiveness, we also need to extend forgiveness.
0: Yeah, that's really good. And I think that as people of faith, we have a unique set of resources that we don't have to stop at truth. And I think I've personally been convicted that a a lot of the things that I've been kind of meditating on and thinking about in the last, you know, six, eight weeks, haven't been new to me. But I had a, a friend, personal color, that was basically like, You just like just remember that you can choose to step into this conversation and step out When it suits you and I don't have that luxury and I was like yeah, that's it was just really helpful Mm -hmm. and a good reminder Um, And I think the other the other thing um, That I've been reflecting on a little bit I think particularly for white folks like on Facebook somebody will post something and I think some people's reaction is I'm gonna sort of stand on the stage and talk at people with a with a megaphone. It's mm. like, okay, well, you probably need to pump the brakes and listen a little bit better. Mm. But then you have people on the other side that are like, "Oh, Lori, just tell me know what I need to know." And it's like, okay, you need like you need to go do your own research, right? right? Like Google
1: can do a lot for you, right? It's like
0: you, <laughs> I think we all have our own work to do and so the the answer is not like sit on the sidelines but it's also not stand on the stage it's like somewhere in between of trying to figure out like what's mine to own what do i need to be thinking about and then entering into a conversation rather than being like either on the one hand i know everything or like lori tell me what i need to know because that's exhausting for you
1: oh absolutely i mean i just in general one of the things that i'm really inviting people to is questions we need to ask more questions Just as recent as this morning, I was thinking, um, how helpful is it to stand and say, oh, people are excited and worked up all about fake news and not really question the idea that I am saying that because I also am consuming media, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which then gives me the opinion that others are being... um, gets ignited by fake news. Yeah. So I think as we even think about the idea of truth, um I think we have to consider our sources. So mm-hmm. there's like the truth as in Jesus is the way, the truth, capital the t, life, right. capital T. Yeah. But then for the little t, I think we have to realize the limitations of our own personal experiences. Mm. And you know, through asking questions and actually listening to other people, becoming curious, we can actually find out the other uh, elements of little t truth, which I think are really important. Yeah, that that comes through relationship. Yeah, that's really good. And conversation, right?
0: Yeah, because um, I want to talk about like news and just that idea of listening well. Mm-hmm. Um, I sometimes wonder, and, I, and, and I'm personally convicted by this: like, am I being sort of discipled or shaped more by my social media feed or this, you know? one thousand word think piece about the issue of the day or mm-hmm. conversation with my friends or am I being shaped by the person of Christ and being in scripture and being in prayer. And I think a lot of days I'm either like withdrawing or I'm scrolling. And yeah. so I think just in the last like several weeks I've been like, Oh, I need to I need to like take a breath. Yeah. I need to like walk around the block and I need to sit with the Lord. Um and, and I think some of that is I think you like yeah, you've talked about that, that there was something that you posted and I was like, Oh dang, I need to like this is paradoxical that I'm on Facebook and Lori's like, Hey, you should be on Facebook less. Um can you just <laughs> talk about like can you talk about what, like how you do that in your own life?
1: Oh my goodness. Well, I tell you what, I do it imperfectly. Yeah. I can tell you that. Um, uh, right out the out the gate i think the backdrop of the pandemic we're already we were already in the twilight zone Mm -hmm. and then we see ourselves all of a sudden in a a cultural moment on top of the pandemic right Um, and
0: you're stuck at home stuck
1: at home um and again for people of color black people like myself i'm a black woman and race is a it's a theme it's a it's not something that i only think about in election years right it is Um, something that's probably scrolling in the back of my mind as I navigate different cultural spaces, I'm aware of how I show up and how I'm present and and that sort of thing. So that being the case, um, this moment has evoked a lot of, um, one, initial emotion and then also deep thought Mm -hmm. um, because I continue to live in cross-cultural moments every day. And so knowing that there is um, a kind of a, an issue on the surface, it really has pulled me in. Um, there are certain things um, that were already stirring in my heart as a Christian, just about Christians and how we are showing up in the world, hmm. just feeling like, wow, there are a lot of us wearing a label and a name tag of Christian, but we are showing up in ways that I would say are inconsistent with Scripture. Hmm. And so when you put that with this cultural moment, it really has evoked a response where I've just felt like I need to speak. I can't be silent. I can't be on the sidelines. Um, There are a lot of implications to what we're going through right now um, in the micro and the macro. And so with that, it's something that has consumed my thoughts. It's 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 on my mind as I read scripture. Oh, another thought will come. I, I almost keep a journal, a running tab of yeah. different things that come to my heart and mind. There's the articles that I read, um, the posts that I read, mm-hmm. and the response to that. And so I have had to hold what I feel is a calling to speak into these things now um, with the tension of balance and Hmm. not being consumed by these things you know and pace that has been something that i've been working to um really set and 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 get into a rhythm yeah you know because i'm still a wife i'm still a mom i'm still a business owner
0: food still gotta get on the table exactly you gotta pay the bills
1: and none of these things have been changed Mm -hmm. by you know by the moment you can't
0: hit pause on life can't i remember when I, i when i sent you an email i was like hey would you want to join me for an interview? I was like, "How are you?" You are like, "Ah, oh, I'm all right. I gotta. I think I might do some laundry or go for a walk or kick my feet up tonight." Like I just yeah, thought it was very yeah. really funny that there was this like.
1: <laughs> I was like, "I need a moment. Man, I need to. I don't know how I'm doing. And
0: like, I just want to pull back, take a break." Oh um, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. One thing that I've been um, struck by is the the importance of remembering that we're all different parts of one body. Mm. For me, in the first like couple weeks. I think particularly after George Floyd, I felt this like responsibility. Where before I became the executive director of this Christian organization, mm-hmm. I was just like a dude wearing a hoodie in a room, and now mm-hmm. I'm a leader. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, what does a leader do? Oh man, everybody's <laughs> posting. Should I post? <laughs> How often do I need to post? Yeah. Should I be on? Should I respond? What like I just that, like uh-huh. the the chatter of like I have a platform now. How do I use my platform? And and yeah. I had to take a step back and say like, okay, God, what like what do you have for me? Mm. Like, what do you have for me to do? Because You know, in scripture, like there's a hand, there's an ear, there's Mm. a foot. Like we can't all, we don't all need to be doing the same thing, but we all should be doing something. Yes. And so once I like, I like took a breath and I was like, okay, what is mine to do? I felt more freedom and clarity, but Mm. also just a sense of. I can't sit on the sidelines, but I don't need to be doing the same exact thing as a person next to me. But like collectively, yes, we need to be linking arms and saying, "How do we move forward together?"
1: I like what you're saying around the parts of the body, and so I think that when it comes to moments like this, part of why I felt compelled to share uh, what is in my heart and share my perspective is because I realized that my my perspective is not a common perspective. It's not. It's not a. a it's it's not one that you can just see and hear every single day. Mm-hmm. And I felt like it, it's relevant, and I would be doing a disservice to what we're doing collectively to remain silent yeah. when we're at such a critical point.
0: What do you think makes your perspective unique right now?
1: What I would say is we are at an apex of racial tension around um the experience of black people and people of color in America and the awareness of white people regarding that experience. And so that's just an experience. But then you layer on top of that the body of Christ, that we are Christians. And after, um, like, I work with a lot of Christian leaders, um, church planters, leaders, Christian leaders of nonprofit organizations that are working across class, in um, cross-cultural um, dynamics, and what I find is there is a lack of awareness of culture, mm. so of of whiteness in the way that that cultural identity and lens kind of affects different things, and then also like the so and the gap between that lens and the lens of a person of color in the U.S. So with the George Floyd scenario, we have a non-faith rooted organization that is kind of issuing a rally cry to address concerns. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's police brutality and, 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 and. So part of this overall reaction has been not just about police brutality, but it's about the experience of people of color in the US. And I find that when we get into topics of race, it's already very sensitive because there's pain involved and then there's also defensiveness involved. Mm -hmm. Like nobody wants to be, nobody raises their hand and says, I'm a racist. Like that's just not a label that most people claim. However, um, people of color navigate uh, racial bias every day. Um And oftentimes they're navigating that with people who don't intend to be racist or have no idea that whatever was said or done could be interpreted through that lens and it could
0: be well intended but absolutely misdirected right?
1: misdirected. so my thing is we need to actually have conversations where we increase the awareness in a safe way yeah. um and then also apply the tools that we have within you know our relationship with God of. Truth, love, forgiveness, mercy, grace—all of these pieces that help us navigate this choppy terrain without stepping on the landmines of mm. of either anger or resentment or unforgiveness or of defensiveness, dismissal or denial. Mm. Like these are all landmines that can like blow up relationships yeah. and blow up our understanding, so that we're not able to move forward in a uh, as a reconciled community or within like specific relationships or even organizationally. So I, I think that, to, to answer your question more succinctly, I think that the perspective is unique because it, it's not about the organization and it's not just about that one incident. It's about how are we relating to one another through a gospel lens, increasing our awareness of culture.
0: When you were kind of describing this moment that there's, I'll call it like general racial tension right but then mm. i think for people of faith there's like an added layer of okay but for people that are following christ like how do we respond which is mm. even as, as i think about black lives matter i, I feel like there's a venn diagram mm. um some folks in that movement are coming from a place of faith and others are not and yeah that's like a much longer conversation when you get into marxism and power structures and yeah, yeah. authority and um
1: Politics, Yeah.
0: And, and I think that for us, we're saying Jesus is the North Star and we're discerning how to navigate the waters um, with him as our guide.
1: One of the things that I, I would definitely call out that I also have been speaking to is just that um, this idea of shedding politics as our primary lens mm. and letting scripture be our primary lens. I think it's really important.
0: Yeah. So what do you mean by
1: that? Yeah. Because so- I agree. <laughs> yeah, well, I would just say that if when politics is our primary lens, we um, interpret information through the lens of, are you on my team? Or are you off my mm-hmm. team? You mm-hmm. know, if you're not on my team, I'm against you. And there's
0: a signaling, too, where it's like, if you make this one comment, then I assume these other All 15 things are the true things. about you, right?
1: Absolutely. All 15 are you. And the way that we are so polarized, you know, as a community, um, not only are those 15 things about you, and it's like, and you're a sucker. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like you. You, you just know, all got of, got. You just got got all of that. It's like, yeah, because that's the thing. And you're the downfall of America. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, can
0: we, how do we get over here? I just made one comment.
1: It's a little bit. Can you
0: pass the salt,
1: please? <laughs> <laughs> right? It's way more nuanced than that, Blaine. It's yeah. so much more nuanced. So I'm like, wait, hold up, full stop. Yeah. Again, as Christians, there is no... There is no institution, not just party, but there is no institution that is a one hundred percent reflection of Christ and his kingdom. Mm. Amen. You know? And so if we come into conversations like that, then maybe we'll come in a little bit more gently. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll ask more questions. Maybe we won't just dismiss a whole conversation. Um, or, or blacklist, or I don't know if that's the right term, given this conversation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so <laughs> we'll exile them. We won't exile, we them. Won't exile
1: yeah. or write off someone who's um, surfacing an idea that might be outside of our political worldview. And, and as we do that, then we're probably going to learn something and see something different than what we already think we know, and we may be able to find a, a path forward.
0: Yeah, and that we because the person you're talking to is made the image of God, we can't just like cancel you or you know, on either side. Um, yes. and I, I have, um, there's someone in my family who regularly texts me, and this person is, um, unwilling to meet me in the middle. Yeah. I think you, you posted something about empathy, and you're yes. like, man, now is the time for empathy. And I was like, yeah. Mm. And, um, but I had to sort of check myself because I often demand other people have empathy with me, but yes. it's so much harder when I offer it. Right. Yeah. Cause I'm like, wow. Okay. Okay. Um, and just asking for patience and seeing, um, yeah, the, the, the log in my own eye before I'm like trying to point the finger at somebody else. Cause they don't get it. Yes. Um,
1: um I think that's so important Blaine. Yeah. And even just to even understand what is your concern? You know, I see you you're passionate about this. What what are you most concerned about? Yeah. Just even that kind of response like the scripture talks about a soft answer and how it turns away wrath. Like what about that kind of response versus you are, you're stupid, you idiot. You don't, you get, don't get it. it. Exactly. Yeah. What is it that concerns you? And unpack that and then be able to kind of go back and forth and say, hey, like, this is my concern. You know, how are you seeing this? So much possibility opens up mm. with curiosity and with gracious engagement in conversation.
0: I want to talk about justice and victimhood. You said that calls for justice don't equal victimhood. Yes. Can you unpack how those two ideas fit together?
1: Absolutely. So one of the themes um, that's kind of going around right now is this idea that if a person of color raises a concern about race, that it is associated with being a victim, having a victim mentality, um, you know, all of these kind of looking for a handout um doesn't want to work hard that cannot be any more um, false you know Mm. it's just not true so i would say to speak to that does not mean that a person is um, bringing up race as an excuse Mm -hmm. or uh, because they have a victim mentality Uh, they are telling the truth about their experience um, and the other thing too, especially when it comes to police brutality, um, there's an idea. Well, the people who end up having negative interactions with the police, they have that because they're not non-compliant and they're doing something wrong. Again, as a black woman in relationship with a ton of black people, um, that's simply not the case. There are many people. I mean, I I have never, to be honest, actually, I've never uh, talked with a white person who has had the a gun pulled out on them mm. <laughs> from a police officer or um, experience kind of like the anxiety of I've, I'm getting pulled over. I hope this doesn't go south yeah. or you fit the description. I, I just have never experienced that. But I have experienced that story over and over and over and over and over again um, from black friends and family, some who have never done drugs a day in their life, have never been, had any charges, have never even been kicked out of school, and that is a common and repetitive experience. I think it's important to unglue the two, to pursue justice, which is, you know, equal treatment per the law um, and accountability for that, or to pursue equity, meaning um the same treatment um, for opportunity to be evaluated based on character and
0: performance performance
1: and, yeah. and all of these things without bias um, that is that is justice um, that's not charity it's just simply justice and um, I I think it's really important to disassociate um, that narrative around victimization so
0: all we're saying is, can we just have the same measuring stick and try to figure out, and I think it kind of goes back to the truth. Like, can we just do our best to try to like understand the nature of the challenge that we're trying to solve for, that it impacts people? And then we can, and unless you can do that and realize that it's not just like an individual, but it's actually a collective Mm -hmm. way that we fall short. It's like, okay, let's just try to really understand that and really get to root causes until you're able to agree on like, yes this isn't this is a challenge okay now let's all get together and figure out how we can move forward yeah uh, you have you have to be able to like diagnose the issue before you can prescribe a solution
1: and i th- i think that that's where some of it breaks down is that i think we become uncomfortable with acknowledging the problem you know it's it's hard to to um acknowledge either a societal problem or a personal problem it takes humility it takes grace and um, but I think, I think it's important to do that. And um, we're, we're connected. The idea of a pandemic, part of the, the reason why it's a concern is because it can spread from one to another. Right. And so um, that speaks to how connected we are as a community. And then also we have to realize how we're connected to our history. And um, if you look at a law that's in place that serves a particular purpose, when you remove that law, it doesn't remove the effects, not immediately. Um, and so we understand that for some things, but not for others. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's a selective hearing, a selective seeing. But I I, I would call upon people of faith to stay in the conversation. Sometimes yeah. these conversations become weary, um, but Are you to, tired? Sometimes. Huh. Today's a good day. <laughs> I, feel
0: I sp- good today. I ask sprint, me tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, ask
1: me tomorrow. Ask me two days from now. I sprint hard and I and I try to take the time to be in yeah. those conversations, but they are exhausting. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I, I refuel, I refresh, I, I go to Jesus to refresh my soul so that I can have the patience and the grace to stay in these conversations. Because I know that some people are having these conversations for the first time mm-hmm. um, while I've been living these different dynamics for all my life.
0: Well, thank you for showing up. Um, as you think about the future, I mean, I think we've covered a lot of places where you're grieving or where you're just lamenting. Um, where are there places where you're hopeful? And if there's anything that you're grieving that we haven't covered, feel free. But
1: it's hmm. hmm. a great question. I'll probably circle back to the grief real quick, and then I'll transition to the hope. I think where I'm grieving the most is I see Christ followers grasping for things to be our savior, to be our comfort, to be our our, our way, and to secure what it is that we want in life. I think we need to cling to Christ. If we cling to Christ, then we're able to um, we're, we're able to, to, to discover life. So just even how Jesus was like, if you, you know, hold to your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, if you're mm-hmm. willing to release and let it go, then you'll find it. I, I experienced that, meaning if we hold to our um, political stance as the way to secure our freedom, to secure our security, our comfort, um, that's going to slip away, and then we'll, we'll fiercely defend it. We'll defend it with everything. Yeah. We'll even we'll, we'll hate our neighbor on the account of securing freedom in that way. But if we truly possess freedom and security and identity in Christ, then when the things that we enjoy or that we love or that we identify with are attacked or we feel like they're slipping away, we can still be solid and we can mm. still have love. We can still have mercy. We can still show up for our neighbor in ways that are curious and um with foot filled with empathy because it's settled, like we're secure, yeah. you know. And people
0: notice that I think.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. If not, we become hateful, mm, <laughs> you know, yeah. and mean yeah. because we're acting we're de- we're defensive. So that is my my big place, is where I'm grieving, is that I just I'm like, Lord revive us revive our love for you revive our commitment to you um in a real way such mm-hmm. that we actually exemplify the fruit of the spirit that love joy peace patience kindness goodness gentleness self-control where christians are known for their love they're known for their mercy they're known for their grace not known for what they're only for what they're against mm-hmm. and known for being mean and hard and you what know you yeah. uncompassionate um so where where do i have hope i have hope in god blame
0: hey man I, as you're talking i want to like stand up and start walking around the room <laughs> and just be your height man just be I like have, come on
1: yes i have hope in god if i did not have that hope as an anchor for my soul i would despair i would be overwhelmed yeah. with oh my gosh this is crazy this is this is so disappointing and overwhelming as a person of color i would be Angry, you know, you know, and not able to move forward. Yeah, and there's but a world out
0: there where people are feeling that, like our neighbors and our coworkers, despair, and our friends, despair,
1: yeah. yeah, and fear. Yeah. But because of of Jesus as an anchor for my soul, I mm. know that one God is continuing to do His redemptive work. And so, while sometimes it looks crazy, I can have peace because I know that God is still redeeming. He's, 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 he's working, you know, I can have peace because I know who I am. Um, That allows me to be in awkward cross-cultural conversations that also enables me to be able to say the hard things and not be afraid of what might that loss mean for me. Might someone be upset and not do business with me? I'm like, it's all good because I have a relationship with God who has it all.
0: I'm hearing like an identity that's settled. It's not, I'm saying back what you just said, but like, yeah. It's not in your political identity, it's not in your national identity, not because you're American or you're progressive or conservative or you're black or you're white, or even practically and personally, like the dollar amount that's in my bank account or the amount of cash flow that I have as part of my organization. I go to other things to find that security that you're describing. It's like, okay, we gotta gotta take a breath and we need to get back to basics and come to the feet of the king and let him reshape and remind us who we are. And- And then going from there and say, okay, now where do we go from here? And, Absolutely. You know, I think that this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Yep. Uh, if this is easy, somebody would have done it already. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I just – my hope is that when, like, your kids are old and my son is old that um, that we'll look back and say, like, man, 2020, that was just a time unlike any other. And and I my m- one of my hopes is that coming out of this – that there will be a, a, almost like a re, like a resettling of what normal looks like, and that people that are following Christ will be able to serve and lead and build to create what that new reality looks like. And that I think that's going to take years. We're not talking about weeks or months. Like this is like we're coming out of a, a grand like restructuring, and so
1: yeah, how
0: do we do that? What does that look like? I don't know, but yeah. Yeah. I'll,
1: I'll tell you one thing, though, Blaine, if we don't if we don't get back to the foot of the cross, we will not be able to function in that way in society. Mm. You know, and Jesus warned us about that, that if we um, lose our savor, then we become fit for nothing other mm. than to be trampled under the foot by of men. And then I'm thinking about, you know, that First Chronicles passage. You know, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray, turn from their wicked ways, Um then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, heal their land. There's a sequence to that. Like mm-hmm. it's prayer, but it's also we have to turn from our, our sins. And when we as Christ followers don't show up, we're not able to function in the culture and society in ways that are savory and that are redemptive, mm-hmm. and it leaves a vacuum.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, I, I'm, I'm hoping that others will find me at the altar. I'm hoping that others will realize and embrace the idea that repentance is still available um, so that we can deal with God on the things that are really hindering us as Christians and as the church Mm. um, so that we can function as salt in the world, you know, as light in the world.
0: Amen. Lloyd Ruffin. I just want to be your hype man. Thank you. Thanks. I just so appreciate you. I appreciate your friendship. I appreciate your presence. I appreciate the ways that you balance um, truth and like warmth. That it's very rare that you find someone that does both. Like sometimes people are warm without saying, "I'm gonna give you a hard word." Mm. And sometimes other people are just gonna throw hard word javelins at you without saying, "Okay, but I love you." And yeah. I think. That's been helpful for me. You model that. Thank you for being who you are.
1: Thanks. I want to just imitate Jesus, <laughs> and if we all do the same, <laughs> right, he'll help us.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Well, Lord, Lord Ruffin, thank you for your time today.
1: My pleasure. Thanks Appreciate for inviting you. me here. Yeah. Appreciate it's been
0: it. Great. That's it. Big thanks to Lori Ruffin. You can connect with Lori at thecooteam.com. You can go there to learn more about what she does. RCLI's virtual gala is coming up August 5th. Visit rcliweb.org for details on that. You can click on gala. And I wanted to end here with two places in scripture where you might go for just some reflection as you discern how you might move ahead from here. So the first is 2 Chronicles 7.14. And the second is out of First Corinthians twelve. So that first verse, um, Lori actually mentioned this, but I wanted to highlight it and underline it here. So this is Second Chronicles 7 14. And it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. The second bit of scripture is out of first Corinthians 12. This passage talks about that idea that there are many parts of the body and we don't all have to play the same role to seek wholeness and health and healing is to recognize the different parts of the body. Don't feel like you need to be somebody that you're not, but go before the Lord, seek his face, be in prayer, look for the log in your own eye before you go out and act. Um, but as you act, just ask before the Lord, Hey, What is it that you might have me
1: do? Thanks again to Lori. Thanks for listening. This has been Vivid.